0: Hey everyone, uh, I'm here with Maurice Eisenman and I'm Anton Ferraro and we're going to go over some of the recent esports news that's been banging around
1: on the web. So Mo, what has interested you in the last month or so? I mean there's, there's a lot of stories happening um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really a great time for the industry because every, every day there's a new big story coming out so it's really difficult to pick anything. But I think the, the news that surprised me the most. Um, was the fact that uh, LA got a second uh, Overwatch spot, and at the same time we got our first uh, European spot. So the LA the LA spot I think went to the Crunky family, um, probably butchering that name, uh, and then the uh, first London spot went to Cloud Nine. It's weird that Cloud Nine has to go all the way across the ocean. They're also based out of LA, so it's just like you
0: know why why couldn't the Crunky family go to London and Cloud Nine stay in. Uh L.A. I mean I don't know that just feels strange to me.
1: Well, I think the Cronky family obviously they have they have already a, a setup in L.A. with some of the other properties that they own. Um, but Cloud Nine really is a, is a really big surprise. Um, the I think Mike the consensus as I tweeted out earlier in the week my consensus were two things like one is like those immortals and I'm assuming do they know about the L.A. spot and like they how does have. how does it how does it affect their value. Um, is it a good thing for LA to have, or for any city to have two spots this early without the league actually starting? And the second thing was, why the hell not Fnatic? Like why? Like Cloud9 obviously is an amazing organization, but um, does
0: Fnatic even have the money right now to buy a spot?
1: So that's so apparently, and this is pretty interesting. If you go to their uh, co-founder's Twitter page, mm-hmm. that he um, he actually tweeted something out like. Oh, that's a horrible like a great way to wake up with a middle finger from blizzard in the morning so and then if you if you look a little bit further he basically explains how um, how he he knew that he he wrote them a couple emails like on their bid so they apparently they had a bid Mm -hmm. Uh, so they probably had some money and then they didn't get any response for for his last four emails. Uh, they assumed you know London wouldn't be anything anymore, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you know you get woken up with this kind of news. So besides the obvious like lack of communication from Blizzard, which is not good if you want to be the next NFL, as they're saying. Um, I mean, I feel like Blizzard also probably has a list of people they
0: want to work with and they don't want to work with. So I mean, from what I've seen, is they're trying to go to places. That I guess are what like non endemic to the league, and it's like you know there's the more money. I mean, it's also kind of a huge win for Cloud Nine because you know they're not going to have to fight over LA with a bunch of other established orgs. And then London by itself, I mean, it's a massive city. You know, like it's not a bad place to be in if you're going to be outside of North America.
1: Yes, it was definitely it's definitely a really good really good really good news for them. Um, it's it's the first European city, and and you, you you have with London you have a city that has the has the human capital to build a successful franchise, while at the same time have an audience that is dedicated to esports and has proven to be able to have events there that can drive traffic. Uh, so that's, that's, that's definitely you know great, great move by Cloud9. They also announced um, that they got um, the CEO of Laser Kittens, which was an uh, earlier Overwatch team, Elysius, yeah. I think, he he got he got hired as their overwatch manager or like the person that's building up the franchise and and that's really good because a lot of these overwatch teams especially from non-endemic uh team owners um like the crunky family let's say who they will they will need to they will want to get people like him and there just aren't a lot of a lot of people out there who are able to build this kind of franchise yeah. uh, and able to manage it so that was you know, they got, they, got two, they got lucky with two, or it's not lucky, but they, they hit it right twice in a row. See, I, the thing I that, that I was
0: kind of caught off guard by is, um, and I, I, some more news, I guess, surfaced on this topic later on the week that I wasn't aware of. But I really thought that envious was going to be the, uh, the New York team just because of uh, uh, Shaw and his investment into the team previously. And the fact that now he's, with Rekt, he's kind of affiliated with uh, Sterling Capital. Um, and like when uh, NBS decided to go to Dallas, I'm um, like you know what is it like? They raised thirty-five million. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer that some of that is for the LCS, some of that is for Overwatch. Um, that kind of caught me off guard. I was really hoping that you know NBS would be the New York team, but you know I guess we're going to still have to wait to see if it's going to be something that was endemic to the space or if it's going to be something totally new.
1: Yeah, I mean, quite interesting. Uh, in in an ESPN article, um, Shaw. Um, actually, had a statement that said that he never officially invested in. Uh, he got so much publicity for that. Yep, and that's and that's that's really really interesting because um, one of the things that that was um, that was really was 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 kind of a deal something that went under the news and like no one heard no one knew about this. And here you here you have someone who has been making all this news and, and making all this publicity and. And you know, I don't, I, I, don't know him personally, so I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm assuming it might have been a miscommunication in the beginning. But here's a clear statement in the, on ESPN Esports that he hasn't has made no investment. Yeah. Um, which is which is very surprising. But you know, as as someone with, with a good connection to Dallas, uh, my fiance is from there, and uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've I've visited a couple times, and I've 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 worked on on worked and supported with some of the local esports. It's, on, it's kind of a hot take, but I think it has, a, it has the potential to become the esports hub of the South.
0: Um, Absolutely. I mean, the whole city by itself, it's like it has some of the richest esports history out there. It's like, you know, with all the CPLs back in the day, um, God, what was at the Hilton Anatole, it's like the mecca for esports. It's like, you know, that hotel bar has seen some things. I mean, the only other bar that I think <laughs> has seen more is probably the one outside of uh, the Anaheim Convention Center. I mean, that's a pretty legendary one if you go, if you end up over there. Um, no I mean I I think Overwatch is interesting I really want to see what's going to happen with the New York team because it's like there hasn't been an esports team in New York for a while or an esports presence in New York and it's the largest market in the US if not the world and it's just you know the fact that there's so little news about it right now it's a little you know I have a little
1: anxiety about that yeah I mean I, I, I agree but I think I think with you know, you can kind of see see the steps. You see uh, New York companies like Madison, Madison Square Garden and and um, and the, the the baseball owner. I'm blanking on his name. AEG maybe? No. No AEGs in LA. The owner of the Mets, right? Sterling Capital. Yeah, 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 Sterling Capital. Yeah, all making strategic investments, whether it's buying a team or 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 through some other investments. You know, getting into esports. I mean, it's just setting up setting up the signs. And Overwatch has clearly and Blizzard has clearly like you mentioned before say that they much re- you know you see to the pattern they prefer traditional ownership people with deep pockets yeah. who are able to um, to bring in you know obviously like put in more money who have the pipelines to execute that exactly and, and and also have the have the, the physical locations at the same time I mean eventually eventually the Overwatch League the plan is for it to come to to stadiums so whether that is you know uh, a newly built stadium specifically for Overwatch with probably smaller seating or whether it is using you know the practice ground of, of your of your NFL team or your MLB team or or, or even using the main stadium or, or some kind of room in the stadium for this obviously has, has a has a huge benefit from a facilities perspective um, and I think it 's just a matter of time till till New York gets some get some Got some really, really good esports esports players. Here's
0: my question for you: yeah. All these owners, you know, like once they're getting their infusion of capital from Madison Square Garden, AEG, or whoever, they're they're going out there and they're like, you know, we're going to be supported by teams who know how to run local events. Um, I think it's worked with traditional sports, but what worked yesterday doesn't necessarily mean it'll work today. And there's a lot of people on the fence on both sides of that fence. Um, do you anticipate? Pay any difficulties or friction with traditional owners pushing eSports owners in a direction that's, you know, maybe in conflict with how things are
1: done in eSports? Absolutely. I think there are two new things that are part of the Overwatch League. One is regionality, so having cities, uh, which is normal in traditional sports, Is it's what drives traffic, and the second is franchising, right? And I think, what, like what you're saying, I'm positive about franchising. I think that's very, Absolutely, yeah. very much the way, especially for, especially for our endemic teams, this is the way you create capital and no, create and value. It's, I mean, the, the thing that killed me before
0: franchising was that you'd have these teams that would enter the LCS, they would buy a team house, they would buy all these uh, you know, facilities, they would you know, put up the startup capital, and then six months later, once they were relegated, all of that was wiped away, so the next person had to build it up from scratch. That is so much waste.
1: Yeah, and it has to do with you know creating long-term sponsorships. If you're a PSG, and we all know the failure that they had in, in in league, but they they invested a lot of money. PSG website, which team was Paris Saint Germain? Oh my God! Yeah. 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 So they so they they invest a lot of money in in this league, and then and they they drive sponsorship. Obviously, the sponsorship deals that PSG makes aren't one-year sponsorship deals; they're long-term sponsorship deals. And here, they cannot go to their investors and say like, hey you know, uh, Coca-Cola invests, you know, X amount of money over the next five years if they can make sure that they can stay in the league for that long. Yeah. Um, so I'm very, very happy that we're getting franchising, uh, whether it's Overwatch, whether it's League, whether, it is, whether it's the LCS. I'm a little less excited about regionality, um, not because of having these, having having a place for people to come, and I think it's good to have these teams play against each other, but it's not. I believe it's not what it makes it up. What it it says it's going to be. You know, their ideas are. You know, we're gonna fill up stadiums with Overwatch players. Yeah. LCS maybe a small, a smaller venue week after week. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's like that LCS venue. It's like what
0: 200, 300 seats maybe. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's something that's huge, been around forever, and. I mean, yeah. I guess like if, I guess if you think about it, it's like you know, there's something called like region exhaustion. So it's like if you're in LA, it's like you're not going to go to the LCS studio every weekend. But if, you know, it's more of a traveling tour, you know, and they come to New York, I think that, you know, a bunch of people will be excited to go. I don't know if they're going to be excited to go 10 times a year, 15 times a year, whatever it is.
1: I mean, it's the UFC model, right? Yeah. So you, go to, you never go to a city with, with the exceptions of New York and LA, more than, Vegas. Vegas, yeah. more, than, more than once every year. Yeah. Um, you have these big events. Uh, it can be a traveling league. That's a possibility. But primarily, I think when you're looking at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. um, no, you're not going to fill up Madison Square Garden every week or no. every two weeks or however uh, periodically you have these games. But one of the things why I'm so interested in the fact that uh, CLG is being bought out and ho- uh, you know, hopefully for investment in LCS is that MSG actually has a theater, right? Yeah. And uh, here you have, I think, a 1,000-seater, which you don't need to fill up the whole 1,000-seater. Tu- yeah, whole and you still ran there.
0: an event there a couple times. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So here you have an event, here you have, an event that, here have a space that, that is much more realistic. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the way to go. You know, you build it up slowly if you want to have regionality. But it takes away one really big part of, of eSports. Um, is the fact that, that there is no regionality. Yeah. And that you can be a kid from, from, from Singapore... Yeah, I mean, to your
0: point, I think one of the things that teams are struggling with is fans get attached to players, right? And then they don't really stick around for the team. So as players move around, you know, the team is kind of, you know, at the mercy of the players. And if the team for some reason now can offer an attachment that's, you know, some players and some regionality, I think it's a huge win for them. Also, to your earlier point about like the whole UFC model, I mean, that was the MLG model for, you know, 10 years or so, and if they're going to be the operators for the Overwatch League, I mean, you know, they
1: knocked it out of the park last weekend with a Call of Duty event. Incredible. It'd be great to, like, you know, maybe see that for the next year or so. I mean, I think, um, and and kudos to MLG, and and obviously, you know, just for the record, Anton, you have, you're an MLG alum. Yes. So, obviously, a little biased, but I'm I'm not an MLG alum, so I'm I'm not as biased, but um, I have to say that, you know, watching the champs, it was It was tremendous, and especially knowing that the staff that MLG works with, the numbers and the budget that they work with is a lot leaner than some of your other favorite uh, leagues and as far as I know
0: so i to to be fair, and you know I'm biased um, the publisher owned leagues have much larger budgets than the independent leagues, so just when you're comparing you know that MLG about you know bear that in mind you know they, I don't think that they spend what is it like Riot spends 20 million dollars on their mid-season invitation I don't think MLG was spending 20 million no. on that event
1: I, was, I wasn't comparing it to like your local league or maybe even ESL yeah. um, I was comparing it to a, to a Riot or to, to, to possibly even you know the things that Blizzard is doing with the Overwatch League yeah. um, so clearly you know tremendous job done and it's and it's really um, and I sent it to some of my friends that are in sports business and that had nothing to do with eSports. And I, I showed them, I'm like, just look at this. Like, this is a masterclass of how a lean team can build a great production. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm very, very excited to see, to see, um, to see what they will do with Overwatch, um, and especially the League. And, and that's why it's gonna be interesting because all of a sudden you have a team that is very small, mm-hmm. right, that now all of a sudden, you know, do they need to do all the productions in every city? Like, do they need to have a presence in in Austin and, and in L.A. and in New York? So I
0: feel like if, we, if they do the UFC model for the first year, it does help to have the same guys doing it over and over again, um, mm-hmm. just because as you're traveling around, it's, you know, you, you get your rhythms and whatnot, and it's throwing new faces in every single time, even for the little stuff, it's going to make it much more, much harder. So if... You know, based on my experience, I would say that yes, it is the most efficient way to deliver the best product is to have the same you know twenty to fifty guys you know on the road for all those events. That's what they did for the last year, and it was great no
1: but um so just yeah i I agree with you i my mind was just going a little further and looking at the year or two after, I think i mean I think a year or two after it's gonna have to be
0: all these arena operators like MSG or AEG that are buying into the league. MSG didn't actually buy into the league, but, you know, Sterling, you know, they have their own Met stadium. I mean, their goal is to sell tickets, and they're, And I think that they are going to want to run their own productions. Um, I think that, you know, MLG will act, like, maybe as a consultant or something and tell them how to set it up, but ultimately those guys want to control that revenue stream, and I think that um, a potential Overwatch League will be stronger for it.
1: I think so too, but at the same time, that can bring a whole lot of difficulties with them. Oh, yeah, totally. But
0: seeing, you know,
1: just... Somebody's see- going to hire the
0: NASL sound guy. <laughs> so,
1: well, so I, that's one thing. I think, some, I think they're going to hire, like, um, MLB executives... For like, for like uh, you know, let's say the Mets They're going to use their own production people most likely yeah. So here, you know, it's going to be hilarious Someone who is used to making it, uh, a telecast, as they call it yeah. for, for like an average age of 50 or fifty years old All of a sudden needs to do an Overwatch League yeah. uh, Might have some cringy moments I hope, I hope MLG has, has some serious, serious hands in this Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the handoff should be slow Alright, so moving on from Overwatch, the one name
0: that I've seen pop up over and over and over again is Tencent. And I think that they've made a couple of interesting moves. Um, so the, the most recent piece of news that uh, came out was that the Tencent supposedly, in quotation marks, air quotes, invested in Bluehole, the ma- maker of Pub Battlegrounds. Pub Battlegrounds came out today and they said, no, Tencent is not an investor when i dug into it on social media one of the interesting theories that i saw and this is not confirmed um, but it would make some sense was that 10 cent bought out some of the early investors in blue hole and i think the shares that were the share price that was mentioned or the share amount was 15% um, so i think that it's great for the early investors that you know 10 cent you know allowed them to grow their money I think it's scary for Bluehole if they don't want to be part of Tencent that Tencent, there's a giant behemoth now has their claws in your company. I mean what are you what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I have been I've been a Tencent admirer for like years and, and, and it's just Tencent and Amazon I think are the two most interesting companies in our in the field in esports. I've just seen Tencent swallowing game game publisher, specifically eSports publisher after each other. And I think um, and the, the one thing that a lot of people forget is that if you want to get into, if you want to have Chinese distribution, it is very difficult to do that um, without having some involvement with Tencent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, yeah. so I think that, you know, Bluehole Studios, if they don't want this, obviously it's an, it isn't good, but it's kind of making a pact with the devil where you have to, you have to let Tencent in in order to get into the Chinese market, which is such a huge market. What do you think, Anton? Um,
0: yeah, no, I think that, you know, Tencent is obviously very good at what they do. Um, I think that, you know, if you are, China is a massive, massive market, so I think that's good. I think that the only situation where this is bad if, is if Blue Hole if it wasn't in holes plan and at that point it's like you know you, you grow this baby and then you know this baby all of a sudden has a foster parent that you know you didn't really want <laughs>
1: well I think just for just for our listeners who um, might not fully understand the the yeah. humongous reach of Tencent you're just like a handful of companies that like Tencent either fully owns or has investments in yeah. so they own they own all of Riot Games. They own all of Riot Games. That last 7%, by the way, that
0: they bought out, I heard went for a massive amount of money. There was a blog, actually, recently of a
1: guy who was at Dustin Beck's house that he bought in L.A., and it's like, oh, that's the 10% <laughs> they, they also They also own about 25% of Activision Blizzard. I heard um, it was
0: less than that.
1: Yeah, a little less than 25, Okay, right? I, th- I heard 5, but I'm not 100%. Really? I don't think it's 25. 25 feels way too large. It could have been 5. Um, but they, think... own, they own part of Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. They own... And this is... I don't know how correct this is now that, not, now that you've said this, but they own a, a majority stake of Supercell. Yes. So here you have two, three, and there are a lot more. Like Epic Games, Mobile, All um, of Smite. What is it, Smite? That's, is that Epic or is that somebody else? think it's epic I'm no, not no high-res they own yes. all high-res which they, is like three games they own they own Twitch's competitor Doju TV um, okay I don't two different demos but okay I'll give it to you yeah but I'm just saying like here's how far their reach goes in esports and gaming in general yeah like if there's a company that's making moves most likely Tencent has their hands in them yeah um, and, and this is this is really unique in the industry, and, and, and what's really, really interesting is that when you're talking to to a casual eSports fan, and you mention the name Tencent, they have no idea yeah. who this is, but here's a company that probably owns, partially or either fully owns, in case of Riot, the publisher of your favorite eSports title. Yeah. So... It's really fascinating. So
0: a little side note, but this was like an interesting number. Um, I was talking to my friends over at Gamma Loco and they were reviewing viewed hours for Overwatch versus Paladins. So Paladins is a game that's developed by Hi-Rez. Hi-Rez is owned by Tencent. Paladins is largely viewed as, you know, kind of like a knockoff of Overwatch. The games are very, very similar. What blew me away was that The Shanghai Overwatch Invitational was the same weekend as uh, Dreamhack Valencia's Paladins Finals. Viewed hours total for those... So, Overwatch, I think, was at around 750,000 viewed hours on Twitch. And Paladins was almost at 500,000 viewed hours on Twitch. And for a game that, you know, you barely hear anything about, to basically be on
1: par with Overwatch, or like, you know, at half, that's insane. That's That's like one of those winds that's creeping on the border well what 's really interesting with Tencent is the moment they buy into a game or they distribute a game they actually um, a lot of times change the game and make it free to play yeah. um, so uh, one of the things is I think they own a distri- they, they do distribution for Rocket League in, in China Yeah. so actually one of the big changes that Rocket League had to do it's in, it isn't a free to play game in the US you buy you, know, you buy your 15 bucks to buy Rocket League now you have you know, almost everything maybe some skins you need to buy but that's about it here, when, when, when for Tencent, it needs to be a free-to-play because that way it lowers the barrier completely for the Chinese market. Yep. They know their market through and through, and they know that if they can just get as many much users as possible, um, they can get an audience and they're trying to get complimentary products onto their platform, right? You know,
0: it's, yeah, I mean, 100%. So the other like, so th- that's the most recent Tencent headline, but for the, like, the past month, there's been a lot of interesting murmurings. Um, one of them was that Tencent revealed a five-year plan to create a $14.6 billion e-s- dollar eSports market in China. So, I mean, $15 billion, that's probably the largest number I've heard of thrown around at eSports, zoo or otherwise.
1: Well, that's about 14 times the eSports market right now, I think, yeah. maybe even more. So and that was good. And then the other one that I saw that was interesting
0: was that Tencent just hired... Uh, Droga 5, which is a huge uh, advertising company in New York, uh, they're famous for their experiences to do their U.S. creative. So I'm trying to think of what Droga 5's past clients were, but the fact that Tencent actually hired a U.S. agency to focus on U.S. marketing, I think that we're gonna see some massive moves in the coming months.
1: Well, I think there are two, there are two points where uh, Tencent and IU's growth for the U.S. market uh, number one is, is pretty, pretty logical, but they have certain games that, that they make themselves. Um, one of them uh, being Honor of Kings. Uh, sometimes it's, it's called something else kings, but I think Honor of Kings is the best translation. Yeah. And this is basically their take on making a, a mobile League of Legends. That's basically what it is. Yeah. And this game is so popular in China that actually they had to restrict the number of hours that miners can play yeah. to to about an hour if you're under 12 and like between 2 hours if you're 12 to 16 and this game is so incredibly popular and and and, and it it just launched or it's, or it's about to launch in the US mm-hmm. so this is incredible because here here you have uh, something that is so incredibly popular coming into the US but they need marketing for this and i think that's one of the reasons why they're looking for actually US agencies and one of the things that they've done that is really interesting is they actually um, bought the rights to, uh, or, or licensed Batman as being one of the playable oh, skins in the game. That, yeah. So, he, like, like a crisis comes back. Yeah, so here's clearly, like, here's a, here's a, they have the budget, clearly, to yeah. do these type of things, um, and they're, they're, they're extremely... Interested in penetrating the US market not through just acquiring companies, but with their own IP Yeah, um, the second thing um, is that and I don't I don't think that is that that I think that is a long-term play But they basically own Steam's competitor in China. Yeah, they have their own it's Wii game or something like that It's called and it's their It's their own uh, Kind of online platform to buy games and it's really really popular in China Um and steam steam hasn't really been challenged uh in the in in everywhere else i mean china they're having difficulties but anywhere else they're they're king so it's it's only a matter of time to see if if uh if tencent can can try to break that yeah i mean speaking of steam and showing like a lot of their cracks
0: some of the u.s numbers for dota 2's international
1: they looked a little low i mean would do, do you have any thoughts on those I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really seen those numbers. I actually saw some positive numbers. I think overall, um, but the U.S. numbers could could be low. Um, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not too, too big of a of a Dota 2 follower to tell you about yeah. that. Um, I'm actually trying to pull them up right
0: now. But what I did see was that they were uh, just a little bit higher than what they were last year. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um, so, but yeah, no, I mean. It, Dota 2's International was pretty cool. I mean, it's you know, they obviously figured out a great model for it. What is it? They put 24 million to pricing, probably maybe 20 million on production, and then 50% of that goes to them. That's basically like, you know, it's a pretty healthy blockbuster cinema movie. And uh, so I mean, props to them. Um, keeping it going. I think it's gonna be scary for the community the moment that an international raises less money than it did before. Yeah.
1: What do you think the implications of that are going to be? Well, I think this goes all to the whole like open versus closed system, like, you know, like Valve with Dota has has been has has really have one system where they let the fans fund fund a lot of it and you know i don't think dota has risen in popularity i think it's staggering so i think it's only a matter of time until an international does not get as high maybe next year or the year after because this this year they got you know 23 million or something as their prize pool which was ridiculous and and um i don't think i don't think two three years from now they'll be able to reach those numbers yeah. um and i think it's just a, it's going to be a wake-up call for the community um I mean, Dota. The, the problem with Dota, in comparison to an, an Overwatch or any other of the of the newer esports titles, is that the barrier to entry is so incredibly high for a casual fan. In order to watch Dota, I watched some of the of some of the international, and um, it was really difficult for me. And and, um, and I have a friend who's, who plays Dota very very actively, and he said it cost him like two three hundred hours of playtime before he actually understood what was going on and, and during, the, during the International, actually fully understood the little nuances. I'll compare that to, to Overwatch, which, you know, I think Dota still is miles ahead of yeah. Overwatch, but just saying as far as future potential... I mean, that's a problem that Overwatch is going to have. That game, it's,
0: it's... You know, at least with Dota, you have that, you know, god view, where you can kind of see the action that's going on, and it's like you can tell, like, oh, they're running to the other side of the map, yeah. they're trying to knock down their castle. Whereas like with overwatch, it's like they're pushing the car, but this guy's just i mean I guess it's like similar, but I mean I, I haven't I feel that overwatch productions do need to improve in terms of you know the barrier of entry like it's very it's hard to follow the action, sorry, so just to backtrack a little bit, I did pull up the numbers if you want to glance at it um, so English peak was five hundred and fourteen thousand viewers, and the overall peak was eleven million viewers. Um, so basically, something like ninety percent of the active audience was watching in China. Um, the I think the and the overall peak I think did occur during the finals. Um, Twitch peak was eight hundred and fifteen thousand. Um, Dota also broadcasts in game, which I think is something that a lot of people. I think it's a good move on Steam's part. I think that a lot of people are starting to get a little leery of Amazon owning Twitch and then potentially using having Twitch become another Steam, um, where you know, you're know you paying 25% of your you know margins to Amazon to distribute your
1: game. I mean, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that it's a very logical move. I think that it's definitely on
0: Amazon's radar. You know, the, they integrated um, the what is it they they integrated the sale of games uh into twitch and i think don't quote me on this but it was something like eight, exactly 18 months or right about 18 months after the acquisition so i think a lot of the guys that's that were on the twitch side that sold the company had performance clauses and uh you know into putting that feature in was probably one of the clauses that allowed them to you know get some more of that Amazon money, cause you know, it's like, you know, you're avoiding clawbacks. I thought the timing was super interesting. I heard that going around. Um, yeah, so no, I think I think Amazon's gonna use Twitch to sell games. I think Amazon's trying to get a couple tentpole titles of their own. What, what's their, uh, the one in SoCal right now that uh, your friend's at?
1: They have like Amazon Game Studios. Right, but what's yeah. their
0: big title? The one that they were on a battleship oh, most goodness. recently. It's um, But yeah, so Amazon Studios, you know, they bought a couple studios, they're building some things. Their head of esports is a guy who was at both Riot and Blizzard, Ilya, So he obviously knows what he's doing. He was also at uh, Magic: The Gathering with Wizards of the Coast. Um, I've seen a couple different titles come through that pipeline. Um, it remain like they need a hit. I don't think that they've been able to get a hit yet. But it's Amazon. You know, they're a company that'll keep throwing money at the wall until it sticks. Oh man, what is that game? Breakaway. Breakaway. There we go. But yeah, I
1: mean, uh, I, did you see that broadcast where they were on the battleship? It was a, actually. It was. It had something to. do, I watched it for a little bit. It's something. To, it, was Dutch, it was actually on a Dutch. It was on a Dutch battleship. Yeah. 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 So that that really piqued my interest. Like here, they can they can basically create successful titles by themselves. Like yeah. if they really want to push it, they can put Breakaway on the front page of Twitch for for a couple weeks. Yeah. And you'll get people, and especially if it's free to play, you'll, you'll get people to come in and just download it. Um, they can you know, pay some of the top streamers to just play the game, and they'll put it up front so it doesn't even look too awkward if like, a very famous streamer is streaming yep. it. And with a one-click download button, yeah, um, because you already have Twitch Prime, yep. and you're getting special loot boxes if you, d- if you download the game now... It's it's gonna be very, very difficult for a sixteen year old to say no to that. But it's gonna be difficult for us as well. (laughs) I already have my mom's credit card now. Speaking of streaming,
0: another big one this week was the ML Bam Tech deal. Yes. Okay, so ML Bam or no, Disney acquired seventy-five percent share of ML BAM. Bam Tech. Bam Tech. Bam Tech was initially a project built by the MLB uh, to deliver baseball games uh, via digital online streaming. They were some of the first people into the space back in 2002, and they built this amazing infrastructure to deliver all the streams. Game of Thrones, HBO, they used uh, uh, BamTech's infrastructure to uh, deliver all their content. Um, A couple of months ago, it came out that Riot was paying so, no, Riot sold their LCS rights to Bantech for $350 million. Then earlier this week, after, the Ban- after that Disney announcement, there were some rumors that um, Bantech was kind of a little bit behind on their uh, deliverables for LCS. A
1: couple months. A couple months. What are your thoughts? Well, first, it talks about, you know, Disney uh, buying it. I think it's a brilliant move, um, it's just a just a little bit of like sports business information, like traditional sports business. You might think that the MLB and like the NBA and the NFL and like all these leagues, you might think that, that they're in competition with each other and that is true. But some of your favorite leagues might use BAM tech uh yeah like technology. So this is a this is a company that's trailblazing and it's really the only reason why they, well the while major league baseball is still relevant. Um and um it's interesting because um, at the same time, Disney also announced that they're going to have two OTT platforms. So one is they're going to have, they're planning on having something which is like Netflix, uh, where they're going to have their competitors and you're no longer are going to be able to have Disney properties on Netflix anymore. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, they announced an ESPN-like OTT platform. Okay. So... This is really interesting, knowing the fact that you have a Riot deal. So Riot has said multiple times before, um, and I hold to their word, although I'm not 100% sure that it's not going to be behind a paywall. So whether or not the LCS is going to be on the ESPN platform is yet to be seen. It's a great way to monetize, Um, but they have said before, that some of the other content, maybe like additive content, like shoulder content, that might be interesting for uh, for a little bit more of a hardcore fan, uh, will probably going to be behind a, a paywall. Well, you have all of a sudden you have two really really good distribution platforms for this, and you have the most the most influential company in entertainment uh, supporting you.
0: So I think that there's a couple things that are interesting um, from my experience in you know working with Zubu and other streaming platforms. The amount of money that Bam Tech paid for the rights to this content is insane. It's something close to like a factor of 10 of previous deals. Um, and, you know, if they're hoping to make that money back on in-stream advertising, good luck. I think that it's going to be an uphill climb. I don't think that, you know, like... CPMs are high enough to support that. I think that subscription packages might be interesting, but these kids are already subscribed on Twitch. You know what value add is BamTech going to give? Number two is you know okay, or number three or whatever number I'm on is there. It has to be. The money's going to come from microtransactions, so it's you know something similar to what Dota 2 has, where it's like you know if you watch and you have item drops during the game. I think that would be awesome. What I'm interested to see, though, is whether or not Tencent, who owns all of our games, really wants to have Disney be their partner in the Western world. I mean, these two companies are headed for a collision course. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, the last time something—two the, the behemoths of that size had that happen. I
1: mean, well, the, the funny thing is they even both own theme parks now. Yeah, So I mean,
0: yeah, it's— it's so I mean it, it, what is it like are we looking at the first international merger or something I mean that'd be interesting well,
1: if you're looking at bloom like if if you're looking at articles in bloomberg or or forbes they always they always um name tencent as like here's the next disney or tencent wants to be the disney of the 21st century like these type of quotes activision blizzard was listed last week on bloomberg as the next
0: disney oh okay okay (laughs) well five percent five to twenty five
1: (laughs) percent of that is tencent so well well activision blizzard according to a forbes i think a forbes article like two days ago apparently created esports yeah so um so we'll see yeah but but yeah that is i mean I didn't even think of that and that's a, that's a great point because Tencent is Tencent is, is is the is the Lyft or the Uber and and Disney is the old taxi the old taxi company. Yeah. And like but this is the, the good thing is that I you know Bob Iger and Disney's like I think that they have realized this early enough so they're kind of pivoting themselves and kind of disrupting themselves with what they're doing with this OTT platform. But at the same time um, I cannot imagine Tencent who owns the game of, of League of Legends. It's like owning the mm-hmm. rights to the game of football. I don't know if, if, let's say, ESPN owned the rights to the game of football and NBC all of a sudden wants to bid on the NFL. I don't know, I don't know how far they would let that go. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, and it's especially interesting to see if, there, if, if Tencent is willing to kind of cannibalize their own business um, yeah. Just to not let that in, let that go to Disney. To peek under the hood at Disney, maybe. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I, I think that yeah,
0: it's uh, it's two large companies that are playing in the same space, um, and it's you know, the deal itself felt weird to me just by the sheer size of you know like what the LCS rights went for. Um, so I mean, I'm curious. I don't know. Um, that was another like 10 cent thing. So let's. Uh, I mean.
1: Before we wrap up, I guess let's let's do like one or two more stories. What yeah. Are, what are you thinking? Perfect. So I, you know, one of the things that is that is really interesting for me, um, which, you know, some of the some of the esports heads will sigh when I say this, but NBA Two K. Um, so there's a lot of info released, and, and just the, just a little side note, so that I have to say that I was involved with NBA Two K in the beginning. Uh, so I helped a little bit with their strategic planning before, long before the announcements and all, all these type of things. Um, but there's some really interesting information um, that I didn't know about until a couple of weeks ago. Um, things like um, games will be held from a central studio the first season. Uh, makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think that was kind of an obvious, obvious kind of thing. Uh, specifically, because the, similar to Overwatch, they they are doing the same thing their first season at least. So I think that that's a really good thing. But then there were two kind of under like underwhelmed stories that were kind of under the radar that are really fascinating to me. So number one is that signings and sponsorship can be sold virtually. So you can sell so so 2K will work with them with NBA 2K League, and um, let's say you're the you're, you're the New York New York Knicks. You can sell, you know, the fake Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. to, like... And it can be, like, the, the Coca-Cola Garden. I mean, yeah, you ha- you had that happen, though, a couple of times before with, like, Dota 2 had a...
0: Like, when tournaments were run for Dota 2, you'd see associated brands in-game.
1: Yeah, but this is... Ha- did you have the fact that they, like, they sold the naming rights to the, to the stadiums? I don't know if it was the naming rights like to the
0: stadium, but I remember just seeing monster banners all over. Yeah, so that's...
1: I mean like i said like it's it's it's, doesn't fifa do the same thing where they like where if you play the game like the side placards they switch like they do fifa does that in in their game yeah but it's interesting because they they're giving the rights of this to the individual teams so the teams are allowed to sell signage in their stadiums uh so it's like if you like let's
0: say i own the t-mobile arena i get a value add by being like not only do i own the t-mobile arena in real life i also own it digitally
1: no they can sell it individually so I can sell.
0: I can have a T-Mobile Arena in real life and a Sprint Arena in digitally. Yeah.
1: So or there are going to be deals. There are probably you know future naming rights deals where we both at the same time. Yeah. But there are some categories to which um, to which the NBA to, uh, the NBA and the 2K have given the rights to the individual teams to sell. So let's say you're Coursera right? and you want to work with the NBA, you can have a banner in the NBA 2K league. Um, on, on in let's say the um the Utah Jazz Stadium, like during their games. So I think that's that's pretty innovative um and it's it's pretty interesting and it's a good way for teams to get some revenue. Um but then you know the question is you know, the big question is like how successful is this league going to be and and whatever and, and I think the second the second interesting news that was under the radar is can kind of help and kind of up in my spirits for NBA 2 k is that they'll actually have a combine mode in the game. Uh, so starting in a couple of months, uh, a few, like one or two months before the draft, they'll have actually an in-game mode where you as a player, you know, you log in with your stats and there's specific drills you can run, specific NBA 2K drills, and you'll get a profile and you'll get stats and you can use those stats then to, uh, to be available for scouting. Um, so I think... That isn't very interesting way to kind of bring in a more casual NBA 2K fan of saying like, "Hey, this league is really something I can do myself." Uh, and this is the man, the, you know, the regular man's league. What are not successful is yet to be seen, but it's 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 a pretty interesting idea, and it makes it a lot easier for all these uh, for all these NBA 2K managers to just to kind of find yeah. their players. What do you think?
0: Um, I think one of the interesting pieces of information that I saw was when they had a broadcast on. Maybe it was like six months ago. I was still in LA. Uh, th- they put it on Twitter, and their viewership was surprisingly high. Yes, um, I, I mean I think I saw it go up to about fifteen thousand CCUs. Which you know, for a game that most esports fans don't really talk about, that's that's like a le- that's a legitimate audience. It's like it wasn't an event that was like super you know promoted or whatnot. Um, so, I, I was kind of impressed with that. So, I think for fun, let's look back and do like a little time flashback to 2016 and, uh, and read some headlines from a year ago and see if any of them made any traction. So, let's do like a <laughs> All right, back in time.
1: So, things that we were talking about in esports a year ago. Sliver TV is a VR Twitch for your favorite esports titles. No, I remember, I think about it a year ago during ESL One New York City, I tried out Sliver for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard anything from them since besides just the occasional? No. But that's because a year ago we all thought that VR was going to be the next big thing and and looked where it is there, now. yeah. All right. Wisa announces former HBO president Kent Hirschman as its new commissioner And executive team Well has actually done some good things uh, The past month So they picked up who They, fazed, S- they got to splice. splice. Is that guy still with them though Or was that one of the
0: controversial characters I don't know I don't want to make a statement on that Alright I don't remember either
1: um, Let's see Stray Freeze 1.5 million Okay. Are they still around Probably not I, I, They're not making headlines at least yeah,
0: I, I remember that they sponsored a bunch of ESL things, and I haven't seen since then.
1: Um, Twitch swallowed up the Curse brand. What do you think about that? I think I mean, that's a big one. That's big. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly it's a good move. you're seeing what they're doing now with their desktop app, and they're they're. I mean, the past couple of months they've integrated a lot of Curse stuff into 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 their into their native brands and native apps. So I, yeah, I think I think that was a really good move, and it's it's it's. It's very logical to, to to kind of Amazon's idea where they want to get as much as much community surrounding their their their, their platforms and they want to get as much of your time as possible as yeah. well. So they don't want you to go they don't want you to go on Discord and do something while while you can do it while you're watching Twitch anyways. So so I, I think that was a really good move. No, well, absolutely. I think Discord was that, eating into a lot of their market
0: share and a lot of the places they wanted to be. Uh, I think Curse is kind of helping them. I think Discord is still better at what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think with their screen sharing idea, I think it would be interesting if... Um, the, the one thing that I've always wanted since my Halo days was an instantaneous screen share. And I think I've blogged about this before, but you know, if you look at Twitch, the value proposition there is if I watch... Um, trying to think lyric i'm watching lyric because lyric will entertain me right so lyric gets 75,000 viewers or whatever and it's great for lyric um then i I go on and i stream and you know i'm probably a terrible streamer and nobody watches me and then i feel bad because it's like you know like oh like i'm not providing value and it's like you know i'm not getting that reinforcement of seeing a massive amount of ccus and i think what discord's value add is going to be is something like uh, streamers will not entertain you. Streamer, streamers will make you play better. So the mm-hmm. idea is, it's like if you and I are playing a game side by side, and like, or if you and I are playing a game, you're at home, I'm at home. I can watch what's going on on your screen while I'm playing my game and get additional information. I'm almost like stream sniping my own teammates. And so that's something that we saw a lot of in Halo One, which is one of the games that I picked up on. And if you looked at the top players, they wouldn't even talk to each other. All they did was just watch their screens and act upon it. You know, the Ogre Twins. Um, so I think if you, know, if you incorporate you know, some, some element of screen-watching your teammates and you know, the incentive to stream is, I will provide more information to my teammates so we will, are more likely to win. I mean, that's a huge vertical
1: for Discord. You're essentially making players become better gamers. How do you think, the big question with Discord is, which is with many startups, but specifically Discord that's they're growing so much, is you have this community now, but their biggest issue is monetization. There's little to no happening. Uh, I mean, I, I it's. I'm not worried about it.
0: The, I'm more excited to see growth. I think that you have to. If you don't have the growth, it doesn't matter if you monetize or not, right? So they they've reached kind of that level of growth. I think that you know Twitch was able to monetize or eventually figure out a way to monetize. I mean, I think they still lose money though, to be honest. Um, but you know, you, with the features that Twitch is rolling out, you know, selling games or. You, um, subscriptions, or advertisement, or you know their own internal sales efforts. Um, I think Discord will be able to get there. I think that there's a lot more. There's a, there's definitely a lot of opportunity for them. I'm not worried about it right now. Yeah, fair enough. Any other stories? Um, and let's see. From a year ago. Uh, Twitter streamed its first eSports competition, that was at the end of July. What do you think about t- Twitter just hired their new head of uh, yeah. gaming, A former Rishi. MLG alum. Yeah, right? I love really, Rishi, yeah.
1: I, I like the fact that there are various distribution options for eSports. You know, having, and Twitch is an amazing platform and I love Twitch, but having Twitch as like the end-all be-all for watching for watching eSports, especially the bigger tournaments, It is not good for the industry, especially as as exclusivity becomes a big part of esports. You want to be able to not only go to Twitch, but go to, let's say, Twitter and say, hey, you have this platform. Um, We have this or YouTube Gaming and we want to sell this to you. So I think it's great. Um, From what I've known, and this is just from numbers from from, from Twitter themselves. I remember I was at hashtag sports in Midtown, which was like a conference and the head of sports for esports, uh, head of sports for Twitter spoke. And she was saying how Halo, the Halo tournaments which according to their numbers and I don't really believe it, but you know, let's let's just keep our face I've, I've,
0: I've seen those numbers and I've worked on a Halo tournament last month. There's a stupid amount of viewership that comes from Twitter. Okay,
1: so yeah, so they said, you know, millions of viewers and like and like and they said it blew some of their traditional sports out of the way with like bigger names and so I, you know, great that's amazing. I think it's especially interesting for, let's say, an NBA 2K or FIFA or, like, or Call of Duty, like, yeah. like, like titles that the average, average Joe has played before and might be interested in just watching. It's a title, yeah, titles where the audience lives in different places
0: than Twitch. Exactly. Um, no, I think that's great. I think the other one that's kind of you know, tangent to the story is, you know, I think Facebook has been making a bigger push into esports. You know, they hired Snoopay, I think it was about a year ago, but they did roll out like some kind of a, the, what is it, their Facebook Watch program?
1: So, Facebook Watch basically is Facebook's uh, getting into content, and they're doing some really interesting things with live content, and they actually have a joint venture with Rick Fox and his production company, and that's really interesting. I've seen some of their live shows in the morning, which is basically like a weekly game show in the morning. They're going to do some more exclusive content, some, some more behind-the-scenes content, and that's really interesting and and as um, as uh, as I overheard uh, uh, some someone I, I really really trust in, in OTt the Network say is that content is the Trojan horse, and I would like to add a little bit to it the The, the Trojan horse for content is sports and eSports yeah because you know, getting a good show is, is interesting, but, you know, you can watch it later, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll watch it, you know, different times. But if you have, if, if you can only go on Facebook to watch the LCS, I'm using it as an example, or, or the NFL, you'll make that Facebook account and you're like, ah, oh, screw it, I'll get, I'll get back to Facebook or I'll go to Twitter. And once you're on there, they can get you in with the rest of the content. Absolutely.
0: Alright, well, Mo, I think this was a pretty good initial episode. I think so too. Yeah. And uh, guys, uh, Mo, where can people find you?
1: Well, um, you can find me on. It's a really, really uh, awkward username because it's a mixture of my gamer tag and my last name. You can find me at Moishi Eisenman, which is N. How about you, Anton? And you guys can find me on Twitter at JokerCanTspell, J O K R can't spell. There's no E
0: in there, so if you understand the joke. Uh, more power to you and uh, thank you guys for tuning in